What's up? I'm Ben Hale, and this is the Easy Living Yards podcast. Creating a beautiful yard should be easy. Let's jump in and create the dream yard you deserve so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. Welcome to episode 86 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we've got a great one as usual. Uh, We're jumping into fall here and so I want to talk about great fall garden plants. Just highlighting a couple plants. There's so many plants out there, right? And so really uh, some of these shows really what I want to do is stop my excitement about all these plants and and talking about so many different plants and really distill it down to just a couple plants that can really make a difference for you and your landscape. So we're going to talk about a couple plants that are beautiful in fall, uh, different structures, different types of plants, that sort of thing. Before we jump into that, I want to just highlight for you that you can always ask me a question if you go over to easylivingyards.com slash ask. Usually I got caught up here because usually I talk about you can go to a different link, but I I created this new ask page, right? So you don't even have to click a button. I was about to say, you just click the button right there, right? So on my podcast page, there's also a button to click. Uh, But right now I want to direct you to the right page, the new page, easylivingyards.com slash ask. You don't even have to click a button or anything. Right there is a form you can fill out to reach out to me directly. I don't have anybody, you know, is serving as an intermediate here. It's just me. And, and you can get directly in touch with me and ask me a question to get help with your landscape. I really want to make a positive difference for you and everybody listening to this show uh, in, in our landscapes so we can make a positive change in our lives as well as a positive change in the world. That really sinks home for me, guys. This is not something I just kind of make up just to sound warm and fuzzy. I really think the more of us that make a small positive difference in our lives through our landscape, the greater change we can make overall. So that's really important to me. And this is one small way. It's absolutely free to just reach out to me and ask me a quick question. And I want to help make a positive change in your landscape. So this is also to help kind of give you a little nudge, a little kick in the pants to actually start making a change, right? We think about it, we talk about it, or we ponder about it so much about making change, but actually making change is different. And so I really want to make this as easy as possible for you to begin making a positive change in your landscape. So that's why I have this ask function. Yes, it takes me a lot of time to answer people, but it's really meaningful to me. It's it's not like it's a it takes away from my t- my life. It actually is something that makes me feel good reaching out to you guys, talking with you directly. So, if you want to get in touch with me, again, go over to easylivingyards.com/ask. There's a super simple form that you fill out with a few details about where you live so I can help give you the right information about plants or weather or climate as well as uh, specific details about your question. That's it guys. All right, so let's jump into today's show which is about great plants for your fall garden so you can have beauty in your landscape in the fall. Okay, fall color is amazing, all right? Fall is beautiful. I love fall for that reason. The only part I don't like about fall is I know winter is coming afterward, which I have to try a little bit harder to love my yard in the winter, I'll be honest. Okay, so when it comes to fall, though, 
This is part of planning for year-round beauty, right? A lot of time we get to the garden center in the spring. We're super excited about spring, and we're trying to pick out all these different flowers, right, that are bursting with color, and then we throw them in our yard, uh, and and then we don't have color for very long, right? They stop blooming, and then we're wondering, what's next? What do we do next, right? If you've ever had that feeling, you're not alone, okay? So planning for year-round interest is is exactly that. It's a planning process. It's not something you go to the garden center and just pop some plant in the ground and it's magically a beautiful garden all year round. This takes a little bit of planning, a little bit of foresight, a little bit of work, and a little bit of knowledge too. And so today I want to talk about those plants that specifically have beauty in the fall. Okay. And and coming up again, I, I talked about plants as well in previous shows in different seasons and how to have beauty in different seasons. And I'll continue to do so because this is a really important topic, having plants that are beautiful in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, in the fall. And and just having, whether it's blooms or something else, having some sort of beauty that draws you out into the landscape that makes you proud of your space without having to take a ton of time working on it as well, right? So that's what we talk about. Okay, so we want to plan for year-round beauty. Most plants can offer multiple seasons of interest as well. So think of plants when you're planning your landscape of plants that can offer you not only a bloom at a specific time of year, but maybe they also provide some sort of structural interest based on how you plant it or where you plant it, or they have some sort of texture or form or shape or color to some other part of the plant as well. So they could have interesting leaves or foliage, right? The way the leaves are shaped or the the way the leaves are colored can provide interest. Um, The way they interact with the wind, right? They could move in the wind. Uh, So these are all factors to consider outside of your typical consideration of flowering. Okay, so let's just dive in. I've got a couple plants. I tried to keep the list pretty limited. So I've got, here's what I've got today. I've got two perennial plants uh, that are herbaceous perennials, which basically just means the tops die back in each year, but they're still alive underground. And so they come back each year from the ground. Um, that's what an herbaceous perennial is. Uh, and so typically, you know, your perennials that you buy in flats or whatever at the, the garden center is another way to think about that or in small pots. Uh, I've got one shrub and two trees as well. So again, I tried to keep the list pretty limited. So we've got five plants to talk about today. Let's dive in. One of my favorites, guys, is a weed. It's a weed. All right. This is goldenrod. Goldenrod is a beautiful plant. And right now, as I'm recording this, it's just starting to pop into bloom in our landscape. We have a naturalized space where it's, we have, uh, I, I believe it's tall goldenrod. There's so many different species of goldenrod. And so I'm talking about just the genus, the, the grouping of goldenrods, such beautiful plants toward the end of summer that kind of herald in uh, a fall. And, and so they have such beautiful golden bright color that brings in this last pop of summer, late summer and, and through early fall. They have such a beautiful bloom. And so this, the genus of goldenrod is called Solidago. And I have a link for all of these plants in the show notes, guys. Check out the show notes as well. Um, and you can go over to the episode webpage as well to have more in-depth notes there as well. So easylivingyards.com slash episode 86 is where the webpage is for this show. So goldenrod is basically, it's, it's a plant that generally speaking, most of them grow. It's a single stem. So you plant them kind of clumped into groups 
and come late summer they pop into color on top with these beautiful uh, flower stalks that kind of look like little bursts of fireworks so they look great in groups great in naturalized areas but also some of the cultivars look beautiful in your garden as well so don't forget about placing them in your more uh, you know fancier cultivated garden space right out front we planted some some goldenrod it's a cultivar called crown of rays and it's a it's a more rare cultivar actually it's it was tough for me to find it so i was hesitant to even share that on the show but basically there's there's some beautiful goldenrods out there um that so there's cultivars as well as just the straight species so for for your background if you're not familiar with what a cultivar is a cultivar is a selected variety of a plant and so it's selected by a nursery uh, tradespeople for um, color or form or, or consistency or something like that and then it's kind of labeled with a, a cultivar name so you know what you're getting basically okay so goldenrod full sun grows one to five feet tall, depending upon species and cultivar. The one we have in our garden is a really low-growing one, and it gets these little bursts of fireworks on them in late fall. It's still yet to bloom. And we actually, I've got a mystery one as well uh, that we planted, and it bloomed already. It's It was beautiful, but it was different. And so it was kind of funny that um, somehow w- with the nursery, Uh, We got a different cultivar that grew real beautiful as well and already went through its bloom cycle. All right, so goldenrods, check them out. Now, I I mentioned they're a weed, right? Well, it's funny enough. Things we consider weeds here in the U.S., just because they also grow in roadside ditches doesn't mean they're not beautiful in the garden. And now, this plant can spread if you you get one that's a little bit more... um, feisty or aggressive so just be careful um make sure you read up on it and and whether it has a tendency to spread or if it's in a space that's okay for that um so i want to warn with that and depending upon your species or cultivar uh kind of factors into that as well now what i said about the weed thing is um in europe these are prized beautiful specimen plants in the garden so it's all depending on perspective right so here it's a weed but that's just based on the conventional mindset it's such a beautiful plant in the garden so check it out all right next one is the new england aster asters are something that's not unfamiliar to a lot of people now specifically i'm highlighting the new england aster that's because i have a tendency to prefer natives over non-native plants there's a ton of chinese asters that are perfectly beautiful as well so you can go check those out as well but if you want something that provides a wonderful habitat source a wonderful nectar plant um, the new england aster is beautiful in its own right so the the latin name for this get ready for it is symphiotrichum novi angliae that's right it's a mouthful but it's a wonderful plant and so the new england aster uh, it grows in USDA zones 5 to 8. It prefers full sun, average to moist soil, but this thing can do well in pretty dry soils as well, I would say. Um, and then prefers average fertility as well. So it does like a little bit of fertility, but it, you know, it doesn't grow in bare rock, basically, but it, it doesn't need you know the, the best garden soil in the world. Now, if it does, it'll do just fine. 
It grows one to three feet tall, and it has beautiful fall flowers. We also have this plant in our front garden bed, and it's just starting to come in bloom. It's just a hair behind the goldenrods, and it looks beautiful. There's deep, so we have a variety called Purple Dome. So there's a, a cultivar out there of the native New England aster called Purple Dome. If you're looking in the nursery for this specifically for the native if it's just called an aster, most likely it's a Chinese aster. If it says Aster Nova Angliae, so aster is the old genus name, uh, and it got split up. The original Chinese ones stuck with the name aster, and the North American ones got split into the easy-to-pronounce pr- easy name Symphiotrichum. Now, in the nurseries, uh, a lot of them still use that old name, so you might see it under the, uh, the Latin name uh, aster Novae Angliae. If you have that, it's a New England aster, beautiful plants, and a native plant to the United States, which is wonderful. So again, we have Purple Dome. It looks awesome. It's these deep, deep purple, beautiful fall flowers. And so they're selected for just a, a little bit of a deeper uh, purple than the the straight species the straight species as well is beautiful in the garden so if you prefer a straight species it will also look beautiful now this guy does have a tendency to spread especially the straight species so it's something to consider again if you don't like beautiful fall purple flowers all over your garden then you might have to trim it back of course that's a little tongue-in-cheek right so it, it really for me i'm okay with this guy spreading a little bit and if you have to be out there every once in a while just to kind of pull things out or, or prune it back or whatever that's fine too okay let's move on so for shrubs i have one shrub to highlight which is the oak leaf hydrangea this is, again, as with all of the plants I'm highlighting today, guys, these are beautiful native plants, all right? I, I'm, you know, I don't necessarily always say they're native first because I want to highlight how beautiful they are first, right? We're talking about plants here, and so it's, and when you're talking about plants, most people care more about the beauty than about where they're from. But I also want to highlight these are beautiful plants that have grown in our own backyards, which is awesome, Okay. So the oak leaf hydrangea, the Latin name is Hydrangea quercifolia, which the Latin name just means leaves of oak. So oak leaf hydrangea, right? Um, And the reason I list all these Latin names for you guys is so we can know we're talking about the same plant. Because a lot of plants have multiple common names that refer to different plants, or the same plant have multiple common names as well. All right, so the oak leaf hydrangea, it grows about six to eight feet tall and about six to eight feet wide. So if you're planting this in a front garden bed, make sure it's not right in front of a window or something like that, or right next to your porch. Make sure this guy has room to grow. It prefers USDA zones 5 to 9. 5 is kind of pushing it, actually. It does struggle in harsh winters below minus 10. And so that's your zone 5 right there is, is down to, I think, minus 15 is zone 5. And so in those harsh winters, you do kind of have to make sure it's there's a little bit of mulch protecting it, the base of it, protecting those roots. Um, every once in a while in those harsh winters, it dies back to the ground, but it'll come right back. So, um, it's not really the worst thing in the world. Um, if that happens, um, this guy does like some occasional moisture through super dry summers, but it's fairly drought tolerant. 
um, but it's a little, you know, it likes a little bit of care as well. Um, so it does like richer soils, but at the same time, if you have low fertility, it might do okay as well. So it, basically what I'm saying is there's certain things this plant likes, but it nece- it doesn't mean that it can't survive without it. And so if you, if you have a little bit of neglect, um, in, in the kindest way possible, right? Um, it, it still might do okay in your landscape. Now, this does prefer full sun to part shade. I don't really have any plants that are highlighted here for full shade. Um, nothing comes to mind specifically if I'm thinking about fall color. And so for the two herbaceous perennials, I think there might be a goldenrod or two um, that grows well in the shade. Um, there is a aster, a native aster called um, the, uh, let's see... October skies is the cultivar I'm thinking about. It's the um, Symphiotrichum oblongifolium, right? (laughs) They make them so easy to pronounce. Uh, That's an aster that grows in in the shade, uh, but it blooms a little bit earlier, so you don't get the fall bloom as much. I'm getting off topic here, but what I'm saying is I don't know if I have a whole lot of suggestions for full shade. So if you guys have full shade and you want fall color, um, that might be a bit of a stretch. I'll, I'll try and think about some, reach out to me and ask, and I'll try and come up with some answers for you. Uh, there might be some cool ferns that kind of look cool in the fall uh, that we can look into. Okay, so back to, uh, I think we've said enough about the oak leaf hydrangea. It's a beautiful shrub. Our natives, our, <laughs> our neighbors have it growing in their front landscape, and it looks beautiful, and it does get this kind of deep, beautiful fall color to it, um, as well as, of course, those those wonderful flower panicles that hydrangeas are known for. Um, it's not the big uh, snow globes uh, that you see on some of the, the ridiculously um, uh, big ones, but it has these, they're kind of almost like a, a cone shape of flowers and they look beautiful in their own right. Okay, let's move on to some trees. So for trees, uh, the first one is one of my favorites. <laughs> really, both these trees are some of my favorites, but the first one I want to highlight is a medium sized sh- tree called the service berry the service berry again is a native plant to the u.s and it's such a beautiful tree this is truly to me a year-round interest tree it starts with these beautiful beautiful uh white flowers in the early early spring so uh, you get this burst of white color on these branches looks really pretty and following in uh, usually first week of June around zone six where I live in southwestern Ohio is uh, it, it sets with fruit and so you have this wonderful buzz of activity with the pollinators in the early spring with the white flowers so not only is it a beautiful tree but it's 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 full of activity and you the the insects love it and then you get this beautiful fruit set that also is beautiful with these deep they they essentially look like blueberries these deep purplish blue berries that hang on the tree they look like blueberries even and they almost taste like blueberries too they're edible they're wonderful and the birds love them too so then it brings in the birds right and so it's you have this beautiful burst of activity in the in the spring through the summer with all the fruits and the flowers and then you have this wonderful foliage through the summer followed by this burst of beautiful fiery orange and yellow in the fall and that's where the service berry just really just kind of goes above and beyond is when it follows up with this fall color 
and then it ends in the summer. <laughs> we already went through the summer, right? It ends in the winter with uh, just this wonderful structural uh, accent to the landscape with its crazy, windy, twisty branches um, and its wide branching pattern looks really interesting as well. So you just have this full year of interest with this tree. Now the tree, it is a tree. It grows 25 to 30 feet tall. So you're talking a medium tree. It's native to or it's adapted to edge ecosystems. So it grows on the edge of forests in these open meadow areas where it doesn't get huge because it's dominated by uh, oaks and maples and beeches and hickories and all those other chestnuts and all those other trees that it evolved with. So uh, 25 to 30 feet tall, 15 to 20 feet wide. It grows. Uh, so I'm primarily talking about the um, the uh, Canadian service berry. So uh, Amelanchier is the the genus. The species is Canadensis, but there's a ton of other species as well. But when I'm talking about the factoids here, uh, I, I looked up the details of Canadensis. So USDA zones four to eight is the Canadensis species, but you have service berries that are native to all of the United States, most of Canada, I think parts of Mexico too. So wide range of adaptability. Look up for the species and cultivars if you want a specific cultivar. Look for the ones that are adapted to your region. There's also ones that I believe are native to uh, places on the west side of the Rockies as well. So it tolerates a wide range of soils and moisture, uh, as well as grows in full sun to part shade. So service berry, check it out. Can't say enough good things about it, uh, except that, well, this one one drawback is if you start with a really tiny baby one like I have, um, it... Uh, and watch out for the rabbits and the deer because they love them and it's going to struggle getting a, a tall enough it's just slowly starting to take on to its own where it's getting um, a little bit of growth i had to cage it in for a couple years and it's slowly starting to come back so anyway just make sure it's protected if it's a real tiny baby um, but other than that such a beautiful plant to have in the landscape okay move on our last plant is we're getting big now is the red maple okay guys i love the red maple it's so common around where i live in southern ohio but it's so beautiful as well such a wonderful tree awesome summer shade big arching branches so if you have space for a large tree consider a red maple now Red maple, I recommend over a very popular landscape plant, was previously the silver maple, which causes massive problems in the landscape. Grows really fast, which is why it was preferred. But the downside is it it shoots out these giant surface roots that go way out horizontally and cause problems with sidewalks, driveways, and foundations. Okay, you don't want that. Likewise, the tree itself is very soft wood, so it's prone to splitting once it gets older. The red maple is a little bit tamer on all of those regards. You still want to make sure it has plenty of space. So I'm talking plant it 35 feet from your foundation, from your uh, driveway is what I recommend uh, because you want to avoid the potential for some of these problems. Still in some areas, the red maple can grow surface roots um, not as aggressively as out far as the silver maple, but also it's such a just a much more beautiful tree. The only downside is it grows a little bit slower, but this is still, for, for the size of the tree, it's a very fast-growing tree. 
So we're talking a tree that grows at mature size up to 70 feet or more, and it grows in USDA zones 3 to 9, so a widely adapted tree across most of the United States, grows in full sun to part shade, medium to moist soil, tolerates drought at the same time, beautiful red and orange fall foliage. Can't say enough about the beautiful color of the tree. Um, There are some varieties I want to highlight. So the autumn flame tree is uh, beautiful. So these varieties are are bred for their specifically for their fall color. Um, If you want a specific cultivar, the straight species is hard to beat as well. So the autumn flame tree has slightly smaller leaves and a more scarlet color to it. So um, uh, if you want that, check out the autumn flame. October glory is more of an orange to red color. I'm kind of partial to the orange and red ones, not going to lie. So October glory is beautiful as well. Um, I want to warn you about autumn blaze. Autumn blaze is a, as far as I understand, is is a uh, cross species bread tree. So it has some of those silver maple characteristics in it. It was bred to grow faster in the landscape, but at the same time you have those, those softer wood issues uh, as well as those surface root issues. So watch out for autumn blaze. Unfortunately, there's so much similarity to the cultivar names, right? You have autumn flame, which is a scarlet tree with smaller leaves and is a red maple. October Glory, also a red maple that has orange to red uh, fall color. Then you have Autumn Blaze, which I don't recommend, which is, as far as I understand, is a cross uh, of the red maple and the silver maple species and, and has some negative characteristics to it. All right, guys, so that's a wrap for today's show. Uh, I hope you consider some of these plants for your landscape for fall interest, as well as the beauty they bring to, to year-round to your landscape as well. So again, we want to make sure our landscape is interesting to us uh, all year round so we can enjoy it all year round as much as possible and at the same time that it's not something that we're working hard on all the time that's what we teach here on this show is to have a beautiful low maintenance landscape because we all deserve a beautiful landscape and we all deserve to have the time in our lives to do the things we love so we don't need to be out there working on our landscape all the time to have that beautiful landscape so guys Make sure you tune in next week for another awesome show. Uh, t- for today's show, go over to easylivingyards.com slash episode 86. For all the notes we talked about for today's show, I have a kind of a little bulleted list there of the plants we talked about, as well as links where you can find more information on these plants. All right, guys, as always, if you have a question, go over to easylivingyards.com slash ask, and right there, you can type in your question to get in touch with me directly, and we can talk about your landscape and solve the problems you're having. Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.